Hello and welcome back to the book of Jude. I'm here with my wife Kyra. We're continuing the marriage series in season two. Today uh, we're going to address all of your questions and topics that you let us know that you're interested in. And a lot of it had to do and it breaks down with communication. And so that's the focus. Um, someone actually said effective communication. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, seasons where we don't feel, quote unquote, in love. Kyra, have you ever not felt in love with me? Okay, we're going to keep on moving on. And so, <laughs> no. So we all, we've been, you know, we're married. You know, you go through the struggles of life and you have exciting times, boring times. But we're going to... Uh, dig through this. So what it kind of all breaks down to communication, listening to one another, how do we speak to one another, and able to identify your feelings and express those said feelings and actually making, uh, setting specific time uh, for you and your spouse. So uh, before we get started with anything else, just a couple Bible verses that I wanted to share um, James 1.19, James 1.19, let me find it here. Uh, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Another verse is Proverbs uh, 15 1 a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger okay a harsh word stirs up anger that's very important to know and lastly Psalms 141 verse 3 take control of what I say O Lord and guard my lips so we're asking God to take control of what we say and and I need that every day. I need God to take control of what I say. What we're going to be discussing, we have a lot of books here on the table, and we're, I'm going to share all the resources. I'm going to encourage you to actually look them up and maybe even get them for yourself. But uh, something in the book called Ex Extraordinary Relationships. And let me just read this to you. This is how we're going to start this out because uh, in the marriage, it's very important where you all come from. Kyra and her family, me and my family, how we were raised. What's our story? What's our narrative? So listen to this. It would be difficult to overstate the importance of human relationships. If love does not make the world go round, then surely relationships do. In the worlds of the personal, the family, the world of work, and the world at large, relationships between and among people are critical and decisive force. After air, water, food, and shelter, the quality of relationships most often determines the quality of a person's life. This is true no matter what area of life we consider, emotional, physical, intellectual, social, and often economic. So I'm going to post later, look for it, um, at Book of Tim Jude on Facebook. 
uh, on the Book of Jude Facebook page, I'm going to post a video that's called the Bowen Family Systems Theory. It's going to very, uh, in a simple way, explain what that is. And the Extraordinary Relationships book is based off of Murray Bowen's Family Systems Theory. It's very important. It tells you a lot. It'll, it kind of makes us understand where we come from, right? So if I come from a household that was always quiet, that never um, yelled or anything, and, and Kyra came from a, a household that screamed and yelled, and I'm not saying that's true, I'm just for an example. Um, I'm coming into the relationship with my narrative, and she's coming into with hers. And so um, some questions that you would like to ask yourself and of your spouse or even potential spouse this is important. This is why we say know the family. It is, well, I'm not marrying the family. Well, in a way you are because that person is bringing some stuff into the relationship. So here's some questions. In your family of origin, how were disagreements handled? That's a good question. How were disagreements handled? You want to ask that of yourself and you want to ask that of your spouse or your potential spouse. Number two, have you adopted those patterns or reacted to them? And number three, how do your children or nieces and nephews handle disagreements? And so Kyra and I brought our narratives into the marriage and we've had 18 plus years to iron them out. And now we have three children that we need to, we have already been observing, how do they handle disagreements? And that, Kyra, that's a great question. I mean, we're, we're two people coming from two different places. I feel like we tried to learn from, from both ends what worked and what didn't work, you know, from him, from me. And we've just probably like most people, you know, and then you try to formulate what you think is, is best for your children. And um, we, we know the things that don't work. And so we've tried to obviously steer away from those things. And then we have said, okay, this did work. Um, and then there might have been different situations where we didn't really know. Maybe it was something new. You know, for example, technology. Our parents didn't deal with technology with us when That's we true. were younger. So... You know, when it comes to new things, I think, you know, sometimes it is trial and error. You you, you, you try different things. But um, when it comes to conflict, um, you know, I have, we, we have a couple of friends that have teased with us. I mean, you know, they're all lightheartedly, but, you know, because we uh, have a feelings wheel, which we'll talk about later. But that's actually something that we learned as adults, mm. married, and we've now applied to our children where we've been trying to teach them you hurt my feelings so i'm going to we're going to sit down and talk about it um, but we teach that to our children to communicate well tell your brother tell your sister why you're upset what did they do that made you upset and anyway we have this feelings will that has all these different words and we, we show it to them so they can find other new words that maybe they 
didn't even have in their vocabulary yet. Uh, instead of I'm mad, it could be disappointed, you know, or frustrated, frustrated or it, it just, <clears throat> it, it's really teaching them to learn how to communicate well um, and not yell when I'm angry, say mean things when I'm angry and really re respect one another and listen to one another. And so we've been doing that more now that they're older. Mm. Um, you know, of course, when they were younger, we always tried to do that in a different way, obviously, because they were little, but, you know, you know, but we'd always make them talk it out, hug it out, <laughs> you yeah. know, and move on. But we never brushed anything away. We always tried to acknowledge everything because, you know, to, to us, you know, someone taking their stuffed animal might be minor, but to them, it it was upsetting. So we always tried to honor their feelings, you yeah. know, and how they felt. And this is important for our kids. There's an oldest, there's um, a youngest, there's a middle. They have their different sexes. So we have male, two males, one female. And this is important in your, in my family system and Kyra's family system and yours, of course. So what was your gender and rank position in your family? Were you the older brother of brothers, younger brother of brothers, younger brother of sisters, older sister of it, the only male, the only female, twins. I mean, what what is your family system? What is your narrative? Where, what was your rank and position? That specific rank and position is for you, and that's it's going to affect you the only way. It's not going to affect someone else. And so then you have to, after you realize what that is, you look at your functional position. This, go ahead. I was going to just say this is all still in the book, Extraordinary Relationships. Yes. What we're talking about right now. Your functional position, were you the quote-unquote good one, the the rebel, the sick one, you know, having symptoms throughout life, and uh, the caretaker, the family therapist, the comic, um, the star the favored child. I mean, you, if you had siblings, I mean, you could probably say, oh yeah, that was this person or that was, that was me. So you also had a function and it, and it goes into great detail, all these uh, functional positions, but this is important on, on what you're bringing to a marriage. The other thing is, um, I got triangles here. So when so again, this, these are all examples. When when Kyra and I uh, get in a, have a disagreement, we don't triangle others into it. But this is a common mistake that most um, honeymooners or newlyweds, I should say. Yeah, I was going to say newlyweds because yeah. I, I think we we learned quickly to not do that. But I'm I remember times where I did that when I was you know when we were first married. I had no idea you did that. <laughs> Who in the world did you... Let me tell them what Triangle is. So me and Kyra are, are disagreeing, and apparently Kyra goes and calls or contacts... My sisters. Yeah, her sisters, <laughs> and triangles them in to our situation. So this is different than seeking advice or something. Right. Okay? Triangles... Triangle, 
it's it's for stability. So if you think of a stool or something or a tripod, it gives it gives somebody more stability. Well, it can be very easily it can it can go south very quickly because that person is now a part of your marriage disagreement situation. The other person that that does not know. So I I think that's why I said we never did that. I I never felt if you went to your sisters, I never felt they were, you know. No, I mean, I guess what I meant was I, I they weren't involved as in, oh, we need, we're going to make, we're going to come over and figure out the solution. Right, right. But, you know, just um, calling and saying this happened and I just want validated because you sure. didn't agree with me. So I'm calling them to say, well, you agree with me, right? You know, I see. Not saying, "Hey, what should I, what should I do here?" And calling someone who's married and actually getting marriage advice. It was just more of a, you know, "Hey, agree with me." And they'd be like, "Yeah, he's the worst." No, I'm kidding. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't no, say I, that. I have great um, sister-in-laws. You do four of them. Four sister-in-laws, and they're all. We are a loud bunch. They're all perfectly great. <laughs> but I. I have learned, though, obviously, by now, you know, that there's so many problems with going and talking to other people in that manner. It's one thing to go to someone else who's been married longer than you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I say that because I think you need to be careful asking advice from someone who's not been married, you know, less than you. Um, but... Uh, if if you're going to someone to genuinely say, I, I need help or I need advice, I don't know how to handle this. But it's another thing to just call and uh badmouth your spouse or right. or just say, Hey, this you know, telling them every little thing that happened because then you're making that other person feel some kind of way about your spouse. So then you guys reconcile and you're moving forward, but that person still has feelings, you know. Exactly. Um, and let me tell you what Kyra has n never done. She has she has literally been with other uh wives and they're all it, it's some it's a thing to put down your husbands or talk talk bad about them or whatever whatever it is. Um and she she doesn't do that. Mm -mm. She doesn't do that. And that means so much to me. Um, does she have things to talk negative about me? Uh, of course, absolutely. But you know, like if I went with um, a bunch of guys and we're all we're all husbands and 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 they all started bad mouthing their wives and she does this and she and I just join in and say, yeah, my wife. No, that that's not healthy. You know, and there's a line, there's, there's the jokes and right. there's things like that. And we're, we're not trying to, we're not prudes, but we're just right. saying that honest to goodness, um, the, the, if you can turn on the television, you can see how the male husband role has been portrayed over the years and how the female. So it's always the male being the dumb one, one of the children right. and the woman having to do everything and the man is not reliable, and all he wants to do is watch sports, and he doesn't want to, when he watches the children. You know what always got me is mm -hmm. uh, when husbands, fathers said, I, all I can, i got to babysit the children. Whose children? 
whose children are you babysitting? Because if you're talking about your children, that's not babysitting. That's you're the father and the, the wife, the mother is going somewhere and you are home with your children. Um, that, that always, that's a pet peeve of mine that always got to me. Um, when my kids were, were young, um, all throughout their lives, Kyra could leave. She left for four, uh, four days one time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she could leave for a week. She could leave. It doesn't matter. We're both the parents. It's not the, um, that's not like, uh, out of the question, husband, no. can you be home with the kids for a few days? What are you talking about? Right, because we always made a point that we did everything together when it came to bedtime and medicines and appointments. Right. You know, it was it was always shared. It was never on you or on me. Right. And um, but that was intentional on our part, which we'll talk more about when we talk about yeah, you know, parenting. Of but of course. Um, but the point is, you know, um, I am also lucky in that area because Tim does has always been uh, a major help in the house. Uh, even, you know, like let's say he came home and, you know, he's at work all day and he could easily say, man, I'm exhausted and I just don't want to help. But he's he's never been that way. When he comes home, he's always been involved and just wherever I'm at, he just jumps in and starts helping. And so I have been very lucky in that area because, you know, a lot of people are like, your husband does this and that. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> So, sorry that I and I do, and I always feel bad because you know people are like you know when they are, when you are have people you know right, but that but I I don't accept that. Well, you're just you're lucky. No, it, it, it's being it's doing the right thing, and it's uh, understanding right. we're in this together and we have this unity and it. There's no. Um, I don't know. It, well, I, you know, it, it comes down to what we're about to talk about, which most things do is healthy communication. Right. You know, if I come to Tim and say, I'm feeling very overwhelmed with X, Y, and Z, and I really need your help, without a doubt, he would say, okay, you know, and he would help um, and, and with whatever I needed, whatever I was mm. feeling overwhelmed with. But it took me to talk to him about it. Um, and him for him to hear that's true yeah. Kyra is a great communicator and I will put it all I'll give her all the uh, props on that in our marriage she is the one that uh, taught me how to communicate because uh, I don't th that that's a big thing what she just said mm -hmm. because you cannot assume the other person knows a what you're thinking right B what you want them to what you're trying to what you want them to do, right? Uh, you have to communicate. Yeah, like I can't be mad at Tim if he comes home having no idea how my day has gone and I'm at my wits end, you know, and it, and it was hard when we had younger kids, you know, you're yeah. just nonstop. And, you know, all I had to say was, hey, I, I need an hour yeah, yeah. <laughs> to leave the house or I need um, if you could just help me fold this laundry or whatever I, I just would let him know because he has no idea that on a normal day I love doing those things so how would he know that this particular day you know my day's just not going well um, and so you, you have to communicate what you need 
you know, and not in an angry, not in a condescending way, you know, which will, that's what we're going to focus on today is how to communicate well, you know, not saying, oh, would you like to help me this time, you know, or, you know, just those kinds of comments. Um, you're not going to get a <laughs> healthy response back, you know. Right. And, and so moving forward, um, there's another section. I have it all highlighted. I see, but I'm not going to read it all. It'd take too long, but it's a, it's those trigger words. It's those words that you know, like I know if I say a certain phrase or words to Kyra in the heat of the argument, that's going to send her to the moon, right? And then mm-hmm. vice versa. Oh yeah. We know the buttons. <laughs> you know, you know Don't this person, push the buttons. Yeah. but you know what's, what bu- buttons to push and mm-hmm. I'm good at it. Tim's very good at it. And I am a sucker for falling up for it every time. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> Because you think I, I would gain composure by now. I, <laughs> I will make someone cry by talking just like this, not raising my voice, Never but I know the voice. words to say. Yeah. I will yeah. make you cry. But that's my simple nature. But anyway. <laughs> but um, That's Tim in an unhealthy version. Right. That's unhealthy Tim. So the trigger <laughs> words, avoid those and don't let the pressure be, build. That's what Kyra is saying. Like It's so easy for us to not communicate well get overwhelmed, become frustrated, and then start attacking the right. other person. Right, then we lash out. And, and that's not out. fair. Exactly. It's not fair uh, to your spouse. We wouldn't do that to any other person. Well, some people do it to other people, <laughs> I guess. But, yeah. you know, you um, usually that that's the person we take that stuff out on. And you can't say, well, my spouse is not doing X, Y, Z. When you haven't sat down and told your spouse the expectations that you have, right? you know, and and same thing. If if Tim has expectations of me and I'm unaware of it, he's going to get more and more mad each time I don't do it. But I am over here oblivious that I'm upsetting him at all. I, I need to tell her, honey, I expect you to iron my undies. (laughs) (laughs) Right? No. How dare you bring up my trigger word, ironing. (laughs) Ironing, yeah. (laughs) No, they need to know. My grandma was the best ironer, like perfection. You know, she could do cleaners quality ironing. Oh, yeah. I have tried so hard. (laughs) And they just, they are still somehow wrinkly. I don't understand it. She's been in my unmentionable drawers a time or two. Not your underwear. She has so. She, oh, you're talking about my grandma. Yeah, your grandma. Oh, I thought I was like, I've not ironed your underwear. No, no your grandma. Yeah, she did. When she would come out, <laughs> we're in the army, so we're in all the around the the globe, and she would come out and mm-hmm. at one at some point every visit every visit mm-hmm. she would go in my drawers, my your underwear and, and socks, socks my yeah. unmentionables, <laughs> and then she would yell at me, "Why he's got holes in them." Tim, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. What if you get in an accident on the way? Oh, I'd make her mad. And she'd yes, throw them away. She'd throw, yeah. She would say, go buy new underwear. Go buy new socks. I'm like, Grandma, I try to tell him. He doesn't listen. Yeah, but yeah. That's true. She sure did. Anyway, but yeah. I have not mastered ironing. I'm going to have to go no, to no, class. I don't think anybody. Do you iron? No one irons anymore. I know, but now it's just like, why can't I do it? <laughs> I just need... I need the to dryer, be able to do it. the dryers are awesome. You throw them in there, they're good. Yeah, but no the, one cares. No, no one that's ironing. I feel like the iron makes it so crisp. 
just yeah, gives but it that for edge. what? I don't know. People that I see outside this house are not that important to see my pants need iron. Well, moving forward. Moving forward. Um, look up genogram. Make a genogram um, of your family. It's uh, I can't get into all the details, but it'll help you understand you, your position, and your family, and where you come from. It'll also your spouse or potential spouse will know. That's a good exercise if you're about to get married. Do a genogram. And give it to your spouse and explain it to them so they know what they're getting into. Because you know why arranged marriages are so successful? And we're not condoning it. We're not either or. We're just saying that. You're saying. I'm saying the reason. <laughs> I believe, I'm telling you, arranged marriages are successful because I'm not talking about all the bad negative aspects. I'm just trying to make a point. The families know each other. The families know what to expect. I mean, think about your marriages and think about the two people fall in love, they get married. Oh, I don't need to know about their family and I'm not marrying their family. Now, now talk to them five years later. Did you marry the family? Because I sure did. Mm-hmm. And you you sure yeah. did. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a normal thing. So moving forward with communicating with your spouse, there's he- healthy complaining and there's harmful complaining Mm -hmm. so it's a myth that happily married people don't complain about each other's behavior in fact it would be ludicrous to expect two human beings i've said this for years that live together without any complaining constantly stifling your complaints is not a good idea doing so can cause you to hold on to anger, resentful feelings towards your partner. I really think a lot of it comes down to your approach. Oh, yeah. Because I know if I come in angry, we're going to have an argument nine times out of ten. You know, and vice versa. If Tim tries to come at me sideways, I'm immediately going to get defensive. Every You time. know, every time. So I understand there's times in the moment where something has to be done right away Maybe it came out wrong, but you know what? Apologize right away if it comes out wrong. If, if if you came out harsh and you see the person react, say, I'm sorry. that I wasn't trying to say that in the way that that came out. You know, I'm stressed or overwhelmed in this moment. But um, anyway, but my point is, if it is a time where you can approach it when you uh, can both be calm and uh, maybe not when something is happening, Approach with love, approach with patience, and how, literally, like we tell our kids, how you would want to be talked to, you know, Um, and respect goes both ways, and I I think if you come in respectfully, and you're saying, you know, this is how I'm feeling, you know, or this is what I'm needing, or, you know, whatever it is that is going on in the situation, you're going to get a different response. You know, and if you aren't, if you don't, if you keep getting an unhealthy response, then that's when maybe there's just something deeper going on yeah. there where you, you you know need to see a counselor or something. But, I mean, nine times out of ten, if I, no, I would say always, if I come to Tim in that manner, I'm not, he's not going to get defensive back to me, you right. know. And so I mentioned healthy complaining versus harmful complaining. So... Harmful would obviously be 
why do you always let the garbage pile up like this? Uh, but really is, I wish that we could find feel, I wish we could feel more like teammates taking care of our house. All right? So one person is off the hook from being quote unquote responsible for doing something. You know, some, you know, there, there's things that Kyra always does. There's things that I always do, but sometimes we might say, I wish we could feel more like a team when we, like today is a perfect example. We, Kyra said, we need to get some cleaning done today. Okay. So after our morning devotions with our family, I turned it over to Kyra and she, and, and she, okay, you go here, you do this, this needs done uh, in a loving way, of course. But what I'm saying is that we conquered it as a team. There was a lot mm -hmm. to get done. And of course we have three children and they're, they're all, they've been helping with chores since day one. As soon as they can start walk. Basically. Oh, you can walk? Go take they, that over there. If you can walk, you can dust. <laughs> so, um, another harmful complaint. You never call me during the day. Now, if she said that to me, I would be like, well, I'm at work. What, is, what do you mean by that? But... What I could hear is, or, or the, the healthy is, I, she's saying, I wish we could feel close to each other even when we're apart. Do you see what I'm saying? Or if she says, I'm tired of making dinner every night. Maybe, maybe she could say, I'd like to go out to dinner with you as we did when we were dating. Mm -hmm. So she's not complaining about, and these are just examples out of the book. She's not complaining about making dinner because she's the one that makes the dinner or it's the role reversal where it's he, he's the one that's the cook and he's the one making dinner. But the, the do you hear the, the longingness of, hey, it's not just cooking dinner every night. Like, I just want to go out with you like when we were dating, you know. I want to have that back. And that, that time is so important. Yeah, and again, it, you have to be direct. You know, right. I can, I can tell you <laughs> that's some, just something I've learned. Like Tim was saying, I'm a good communicator, but I've learned that Tim does not see things the way I see things. No. He just doesn't. And that's okay. So, and I don't see things the way he sees things. So we have to be direct, yeah. not passive aggressive, not dropping hints. You know, I just need to be direct in what I want and... If I want to go out to eat, I need, literally need to say that. Not, I want to drop a bunch of hints. And if he doesn't get my hint, then I'm going to get mad because he didn't pick up on my hint. Well, how could he not, you know, pick up on my hint? That, you're, you're just playing games, and that can be, that's dangerous. Um, you just need to be direct. And this is step number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. Tell each other what you want rather than what you don't want. So if, if you get into arguments and someone is a name caller, they use a trigger word, don't say, I don't want you to call me names anymore. Try saying, I want to feel as if you respect me, as if I'm your friend. Now, do you, do you hear the truth and the hurt behind the second comment? I'm, that person is communicating, I don't feel respected as a person or easy. I'm your spouse, and I don't really feel respected as a friend. 
the second one is respond to each other's statements of need with open-ended questions. So this may take some extra thought. So especially while you're trying to break these old patterns, right? So just remember, don't jump in by stating your own need. Yeah, well, I would like to feel respected too. Don't react defensively. Oh, so, so now you're saying we're not friends anymore. Do you see how that person just flipped the script on what the other person was just saying? Uh, that's not the way to handle things. And finally, step number three is express appreciation to the spouse who's been listening. So if, if I come to Kyra, and this is all, um, and I've shared this many of times, it's the book that says 10 Lessons for Transforming Your Marriage. Um, if I come to Kyra and actually express something and I do it in the correct way, a respectful way, Listen, I need to acknowledge and appreciate that she has been listening to me. A lot of times people don't listen to each other. And what did, you know, those verses in the beginning, listen, be quick to listen to each other. Mm -hmm. That's so important. And, and recognizing them by saying thank you. You know, when I noticed Tim has done something, even if I haven't asked him, haven't asked him, have asked him. And he does, he does that to me as well. We still appreciate one another's work you know because everything in the home out of the home it's all work you know and serving one another so you know when he does something i say hey thank you for doing that i'm acknowledging that he did something and and he's very good about doing that with me as well you know it it's kind of like you're going back to and i and i'm, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful in any way but it's literally like how what we're teaching our children when they're younger you know say thank you, mm. say you're welcome, you know, be kind, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, acknowledge the person in front of you, you know, it just, kindness just goes such a long way. Mm. And, and again, we're, we're not talking about, you know, deep rooted issues where you might need marriage counseling with a professional here. We're just talking about your normal living, you know, um, just, Showing respect and always trying to give respect, you should be getting respect back if you're giving it. And it's hard. The, these, these might sound simple, but it's hard because we get in these patterns of communication. You go back to where you came from, uh, the family system that you were in, and what you bring into the marriage. Mm -hmm. And so we must change habit patterns of communication to better reflect their love, our love for each other. So emphasize that patterns of communication are habits, which mm -hmm. date from early in the relationship and sometimes from as early as the family of origin. So number one, patterns of communication will not be changed overnight. Did right. we figure this out day two of our marriage? No, no, no. No. And we're still figuring things out. Two, both partners may backslide. So to discourage each partner from being self-critical or critical of the spouse, ask each other both to give their themselves and their spouse the benefit of the doubt. So what does that mean in Christianese? That means grace. That mm -hmm. means grace. So we... This is not going to change overnight your patterns of communication, your habits, but you also need to give each other grace. And that's something that, again, simple, you give grace to people all day, every day outside the home. 
the most important person is inside your, the home, your spouse, give them grace. Yeah. I know Kyra's given me a lot of grace. And so have you. Lots. No, you're perfect. Mm. Um, increasing ways that partners value each other and decreasing ways they devalue each other. So remember that example. Increase ways that you can value each other and decrease the ways you devalue each other. You don't want to hurt your spouse. You don't want to devalue them. You don't want Right, to... and if you do, something's wrong. You, you yeah. know, seriously, you need to <laughs> get help. That should never be the goal of, right. I'm going to really try to slash this person with my words. I mean, that should never be your intent. Um, and so knowing that, if that's not our intent... To slow down and think about what you're saying and how you want to say something before you speak, you know? Right. And and we said that last episode, if you need to wait, then wait. You know, it's better to wait than try to apologize for harsh things that you said. And again, simple, but <laughs> important. Yeah. Um, insults, put-downs, ignoring the other person. That's my, I, I did that all the time. I would just ignore it. Talk over them. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. a talker over. So I would ignore, <laughs> and if I talk, she would talk over me. And so. I um, still try, I, I, I interrupt all the time. I get like so excited, yeah. you know, about something, or I'm afraid I'm going to forget. But what does that communicate to me? She's not listening to what I'm saying mm -hmm. at this moment. No, we. <laughs> So, so these are things that we, but but she came, you came from a very full household. Yeah, I did. You really, A lot like, of people. You were heard if you yelled the loudest. Yeah. Not yelled, but like talked loud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's a natural, there's nothing wrong with that. That, But see, that's her family system. Yeah. I came from a non-crowded household. I was an only child for a very long time. Tim was used to being listened to. Yes. All the time. Just it, his little If voice. I just spoke, people <laughs> listened. So anyway, so we don't we don't want to disqualify one another, uh, devalue one another. And so before husbands and wives communicate uh, their communication can be changed, they have to become aware of how they're communicating. So ways they they are positive uh, should be continued and the negative ways should be changed. So I want, I want Kyra to um, talk about the love languages. You, you know about this. Um, the love languages is important. Again, very simple. You might think, well, I already know about this. But listen, again, we have to remind ourselves of the simple things. So I know Kyra, she, she started reading this. Uh, she had us take the little quiz. But what, what are the five love languages? So the five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And so we were lucky because when we took the quiz, our top three love languages were the same. Mm. So neither one of us have to put in super extra effort, <laughs> um, right. meaning... I know how I want to be loved. I can love him in the same way. Right. And so it's easier. You know, but one thing that I, I know that I found out is receiving gifts is my lowest love language. 
it doesn't mean I don't enjoy receiving gifts. It's just not, it doesn't make me feel more loved. You know what I mean? Um, so, I, but Tim's was higher than mine. It wasn't his highest, but it yeah, was higher I, than mine. But I like getting gifts. Yeah, he likes getting gifts. And so that I have to think about in sometimes, and it's just little things. It, it, again, we're not talking about like, you know, big gifts. Just, I was at the grocery store and I saw this extra thing that I, you know, we don't normally buy. Maybe it's just a little more pricey and, you know, but I thought of him and I got it for him and brought it home. Or, you know, I have to be more intentional to do those things because that is not my love language. So at all you know and again it doesn't mean if someone you know please buy me gifts i'm not saying don't buy me gifts <laughs> no <laughs> but it's just out of the others it's my lowest love language and right. so um i don't feel more loved with a gift you could write me a letter and i would feel more loved yeah. than the gift that is all that means the whole thought it's the thought that counts that's right right kyra uh, that's kyra's deal me i just want things so if you buy me something <laughs> if it's food you just don't I'm want yours. to read my long letters that's what it is absolutely not <laughs> so communicate love so we have the five love languages mm -hmm. there's there's that test you can take it's all online now but it's from gary chapman mm -hmm. and i actually got to meet him he came to my chapel in hawaii and gave a seminar and all that yeah and you know just fyi they also have one for children yep and so i actually now that my kids are older mm -hmm. i had them take the test and it was interesting to learn yeah. each kid's a little different and how they feel loved the most and it was so funny because physical touch is one of my highest ones and again this is not just sexual this is like you know patting on the back holding hands yeah. you know just i i'm a i am a physical touch person um, and so I'm always hugging my kids, um, yeah. you know, rubbing their back, you know, just always that. And so when my daughter took it, that's her lowest. She got a zero for <laughs> physical touch. And so it was funny because she would, all, you know, that was something that would we would always not argue about, but she would always be like, ah, I don't want to be touched. And I would be offended. Yeah. Like, what do you, like, like what, I'm some kind of monster? You know, I can't, yeah. you know, put my hand on your back, you know. But um, my, my daughter's like me, and mm -hmm. unless it's Kyra, I don't want to be touched either. Yeah. I don't I don't like people touching me or, or anything, you know, getting in my personal space. Right. And so <laughs> when I took that test with my daughter, it made me realize, oh, wow, okay, that's really, you know, unless she comes to me, and she wants a hug, which she does, you know, so it's, there's times that she is receiving of that. So it's not like she doesn't, you know, ever want to be touched, but, you know, I have to do it on her terms just to show respect and love for her because that's not her way of showing love. So I just need to be mindful of that because I'm a very touchy person, you know, so, um, I mean, I'm not kidding. The other night I just put my foot up by her and my, my foot barely brushed her leg and yeah. she like jumped and I'm like... Are you kidding me? You know, yeah. but that's just, she, that's, her. that's just her. And so, but the point is it's good to know because especially with your spouse of all people, you want to know, oh, I've been showing love in this way and it's just, you know, not the way that person, uh, receives love the easiest, you know, and it's, there's an easy fix. So before we go to a break, let's just summarize, get to the root of communication Habits learned in families of origin are often the root of communication difficulties. Where did you come from? So people grow up 
within a particular pattern of communication and they often revert to the pattern when un uncertain and, and or under stress. They'll revert back to that pattern. So sometimes people were repulsed by the communication in their family of origin and they vow not to repeat those patterns. However, that doesn't mean they can or do carry out their vow. So when they become uncertain or under stress, that could come out. So get input from your spouse. We're going to take a quick break and come back to uh, communication, effective communication. Hey friends, if you enjoy listening to the Book of Jude podcast, share it with your friends and let them know that they can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts for the Android, and many other places. All right, welcome back everyone. Uh, communicating love is very, very important. Um, so Kyra just shared the love languages. We also have, um, she's been saying this the entire time, make direct requests. Mm -hmm. Make direct requests. So um, when, you, when, when marriages begin to have trouble, partners stop listening to each other. They, they tune the spouse out. They listen only for points to rebut or avoid communication altogether. So the message is undeniable. I don't care enough about you to hear you. And so this is very dangerous territory. This is when marriages go into hard times. When you go into hard seasons, you don't feel the quote-unquote in love. So some people don't communicate enough. And they don't share their thoughts, feelings, behaviors, goals, sensations, and affirmations with their partner. Usually the guy. Kyra, when I get home from work, Kyra says, how was your day? I say, good. Every time. And that's it. <laughs> if I ask about Kyra's day, I hear about Kyra's day. Mm -hmm. Just the difference. Differences between uh, me and her. But, um, you know, your situation can be different. Um, so these, these people, don't they don't share important information about what occurred during the day. They don't communicate about their children. Um, so it's, it's important to set aside a time to share an information each day besides helping uh, besides being helpful as communication exercise this can promote a strong sense of closeness by strengthening the couple boundary so what does that mean we're setting aside a time that there's no phones there's no television you know I one of our living spaces, we don't even have a television in it. When people come over, I can't stand it. When we go to somebody's house and we're all hanging out, the television's on, but we're talking. Turn that stuff off, man. We, it, you know, human communication, we need that. We need interaction. And so, uh, specifically with your spouse, do the same thing where you're setting aside time. We do it almost every morning. But I was going to say, yeah, ours is usually morning. Tim has a different schedule. You know, he, he's home in the morning and then he, you know, works until late, you know, almost till bedtime is when he gets home. So obviously late at night is not the time where we are usually talking <laughs> because by the time he gets home, I'm, I'm ready to hit the, hit the hay, but, um, it doesn't matter what the time is and it doesn't have to be this long time. 
you know, everybody has different schedules, different lives. It can be 10 minutes, 10 minutes of what, what you're expecting for the day and to just yeah. talk. It doesn't even have to be about your day, you know, just. And be, sit closely together, hold hands, talk, mm-hmm. look at each other's eyes. Right. Don't, don't be distracted by something else. Right. And, you know, and again, physical touch comes into play here if course that's one of my love languages so that that comes to my mind but you know to me sitting close feels different than when we're sitting across the room or um you know or like I you know we serve each other coffee so sometimes he'll bring it to me sometimes I'll bring it to him but just little things of um just showing love you know yeah little acts of kindness Mm -hmm. goes a long way yeah Feelings are the power of human relationships, but expressions of those feelings are more controllable than our emotional experiences. So uh, someone that I know from the counseling community, his name is Larry Crabb, Crabb with two Bs, and he um, does a big thing with labeling emotions. Okay, so uh, labeling our emotions... Crab says, provides a sense of control and confidence. So you try to solve them. If the problem is interpersonal, try to change our own behavior, not the other person. And third, accept that we may not be able to solve the problem completely. Acceptance of these things over which we have no control helps us control our emotions. So Kyra already mentioned this, labeling your emotions, identifying your feelings, and what we call the feeling wheel. (laughs) It is, uh, you can look it up and find it, but... um, And it can feel corny. Very corny. I mean, it does. It feels corny. However, it's been very helpful, and especially with our children. Um, We've had quite a few times where we were really surprised at the word that they chose, you know, where we were like thinking, you know, oh, this, we were thinking, oh, you're mad. Right. And they would pick a word that was way, way off. And then we would be like, oh, wow, let's talk about that. I didn't, I wasn't even aware you were feeling that, you know. Anger could be the, the broad term, but frustrated, hurt, sad. Scared. Scared. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you sit down and have an intimate conversation like that with your spouse or just your children, your entire family, and you communicate in love and you're doing it the healthy way, um, that's a powerful conversation. That that means a lot more. People listen when a 10-year-old is saying, I was hurt by that or I was scared when you Mm -hmm. said that. Mm -hmm. So be slow to anger. Acknowledge when you feel angry. Think through your goals and determine which goals are blocked by the spouse's behavior. Seek to meet your spouse's needs. Assume responsibility for the goal of ministering to your spouse. Remember, like we said before, your your spouse's goals are your goals. And express negative feelings and if doing so serves a good purpose. But if it's hurtful or harmful, don't do it. Yeah, and you know, another bonus of the feelings will you may be surprised at how you're feeling yourself. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think we need to really be honest with our own self and say, Why am I so upset about this? 
You know, and sometimes things come down to pride or something else that you're dealing with in your own self. And that's not really fair to take out on your spouse or your kids or anyone else. So sometimes you need to really, you know, IDing your own feelings. You know, sometimes we're always trying to figure out how the other person feels, but, you know, or the root of why you got upset in the first place. Are you upset about what happened or was there something deeper and that's why you were upset, you know? Yeah, this is important that you identify your own feelings. That is what's important because um, if you don't know how you feel, forget about trying to figure out the other person. Yeah, the other person might have the same issue as you, but uh, to know and label your own feeling is paramount when you're dealing with what? Human relationships. And so when you are attempting to ID your own feelings, you can ask yourself certain questions. What physical sensations am I feeling right now? Do I feel tension or discomfort in my jaw, throat, neck, chest, or other parts of my body? Is there an emotion linked to this feeling? Is it anger, sadness, or fear? What can I say to my partner about what I'm experiencing right now? That is so important to label your feelings. So one way to produce a sense of closeness is to have partners talk about things they value. So we're moving into uh, better communicating, communication, communicate love, and talking about things that produce and promote feelings of closeness and intimacy. Make time for each other physically. Yeah. Set time. You know, we talked about the daily conversation. Set time for that. Set time for each other uh, for intimacy. Set set dates. Go out on a date. You know, um, it's hard when you have younger kids. We had we just came into this new season where we're like, man, we can go out on a date. We don't got to worry about stuff. You know. Yeah, we don't have to get a babysitter. Yeah, no babysitter. Mm-hmm. No extra money. <laughs> You know, we can actually go out and enjoy ourselves and not think the worst of what's happening at the house. And and so um, when you when you guys have these dates, when you guys have this alone time, share pleasant memories, shared times of emotional bonding, the vacation you took or that restaurant or that special event, uh, memories of mutual accomplishments. So uh, for me... Uh, Kyra is supporting me in my school, in my education. I couldn't have done it without her, so it wasn't just my accomplishment. It was our accomplishment. It benefited our entire family. Share um, when you talk about your favorite television shows or your movies. Kyra and I like to watch certain TV series together. That's what we do. You know, um, each other's goals and dreams. Um, not just my goals and dreams, but my goals and dreams for her and vice versa. So couples, they, you will grow in intimacy by establishing bounded, uh, or protected time in which they reserve for each other and do not permit interruptions from children, phone calls, or other distractions. Mm -hmm. And this permits an avenue for regular communication. And so to me, this answers the question 
you know, what to do when you're in seasons where you don't feel in love. You have to put in more effort. You have to put in effort. You have to make time for your spouse. And that means physically as well. If you're, if you're having those feelings, ask yourself, are we being physical with each other, intimate with each other, I guess is the word I should yeah. say. You know, um, you know, it's hard to not feel intimate if you're being intimate right. with one another, you know. And, um, and not that that's the only solution here, but it, to me it's a big part of it. You know, that's how you start to grow distant. Yeah. Um, but, but also making sure you're setting apart time for that spouse. And, you know, so I, I know, uh, one of my friends had asked a question, um, there, you know, there, they have a lot of college going on right now. I believe both spouses and, you know, and so we were in that season. It was very hard when Tim was in college, he was working, going to school, then he was doing the CPE program and going to school. The, our schedules were crazy. And, and you know, yeah. he had night shifts and it, there every day was different hours, you know. Yeah. So I understand those seasons are hard, but we still made sure that we planned time. So if you're busy, uh, if you have a busy schedule, then schedule in time for your spouse. You know, and there, you're going to have seasons where you don't have to schedule it. It can just naturally happen. But in those busy times, it's imperative to schedule it. Put it in the schedule. Even more so. Right. Marriage is hard work. And these are the times when you when you don't feel, quote unquote, in love that you put in more work than mm -hmm. normal. Right. You fight for that. And laugh with one another. Do something fun. Mm. You know, don't do something where, oh, you know, we're just going to sit around and talk about the bills and, you know, the business part. We're saying do stuff for just you two without yeah. the kids, you know. Think and that can be hard to do in that season, and I understand that. Think but, about the time when you did date. What did you all do for fun? Mm -hmm. That's why you share those memories. Right. Okay, how can I recreate that? How can we do something like that again? And even trying new things. Try yeah. something that you haven't even done before, you know. Um, but nonetheless, the point is, even if you only have, let's say your schedule only allows one hour and it can't be out of the home, you know, just spend it in the house together. You don't necessarily have to go out and do something in those busy seasons where right. your schedules are limited. Um, but remember what we said from the very beginning, it all comes back to the covenant. The covenant is what remains right. always. And that's your promise to your spouse. And so in those hard times, that's what you need to be leaning back on is the promise to your spouse, the promise you made with God and, and pushing through and working through that season. You know, it's not always going to feel great. You know, our, our emotions are change all day, every day. We can't, Go off of how we feel. We have to go off of our fact. What is our fact? I made a covenant with this person. I made vows to this person. Right. And um, that's what you have to fall back on. And, and making sure you're keeping God in your marriage. So sometimes people are waiting for the feelings they used to have to come back.
Another approach that sometimes works better is to take action, even if you don't feel like it, like Kyra's saying. So uh, a simple exercise is write in detail five things you could do to express your love for your partner. For the purpose of this exercise, make it five things that do not depend on the active participation of your partner. Okay, so make a list. Um, for the next two weeks, do any of the five things each day with your partner. If you get ideas for more than five things, feel free to add those. But um, it's awesome to see different ways you can serve your partner. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about, just like Kyra is saying, well, I wish they would. You do it. You make the first mm -hmm. step. And again, it's going to sound cheesy, but that, that book, The Love There, the love there is filled. You don't even have to read it. It's just filled with daily things to serve your spouse. And if we start thinking that way to, um, you know, taking each day as a, as an opportunity to serve our spouse, think about your marriage and how that season of not feeling in love is going to change. All right. So to sum up, uh, this important episode, a lot of things come down to effective communication and how we communicate in love, non-harmful, but helpful, uh, complaining as we talked about, and um, serving one another. So we took what you um, suggested and we kind of put it together into this episode. We didn't address every topic specifically, but if you really think about it, we covered it because um, dry seasons, communicating, um, not feeling in love, not feeling in love, mm -hmm. doing life together. I mean, that is all a part mundane, of this. The mundane, you know. exactly. So, for a marriage, a godly marriage, number one is God, and as you lift Him up, He will bring the both of you closer together. So seek him directly, uh, seek him through prayer together, seek him through prayer separately in your own walks. But uh, the union um, as the body of Christ, the, the marriage being the one flesh, the, the cement as we talked about, um, that, that glue, that cement that holds you two together, um, that's the most important thing. So God and your marriage come, should come, you know, it's, it's almost like God, marriage, and family, meaning the children. You, you have to protect those things. And your marriage, the two people, um, the two of you, are the should be the most important people in each other's lives. And so that is so intimate. That is so sacred and special. And that's worth uh, working hard for. That's worth fighting for. And um, we just, uh, we know that uh, a lot of marriages struggle. And I believe that effective communication and everything that we talked about in this episode can help drastically. As always, I'm going to put the um, resources online, uh, the resources we used. I encourage you to get it. I encourage you to make a genogram. I'm going to share the video on the Bowens family systems, knowing where you come from, what your narrative is, what your functional position uh, was and your, your origin 
your family origin. So thank you so much for listening to the Book of Jude. As always, Facebook, Instagram, at Book of Tim Jude. We will see you next time. God bless.